Hey, good morning, everyone, and a happy new year. I'm Nate Wagner. I'm one of the pastors here at Portico, and it's so good to be with you guys. One service, everybody here all under one roof. If you usually come to this service, the 11 o'clock service, you will notice that we've gotten a lot younger, um, and there's a lot of kids, and they make noise, and that is okay. The kids are welcome here. We love having them here. They're learning about what it's like to sit in a church with the people of God. So even if you don't hear as much of the sermon as you might be used to, this is actually a really good experience for both kids and adults to understand what it actually means to be the people of God. So I just wanted to throw that out there, and parents, if your kids are making noise, don't worry about it. It's okay. You can feel free to step out if you want to, but I have a really good ability to zone out and just block it out and push on. So don't worry about it. Don't stress. Um, where are you guys headed? Where are you headed? Where are you going? What is your trajectory in life, your purpose? These are questions that, um, at least for me, the new year kind of brings up. And I like to kind of be able to step back and get a sense of my trajectory. Like, where am I going? If I continue on this path, where will I be in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? And then what kind of changes might I want to make? We have to ask ourselves that as a church. We have to kind of be able to step back. We have a lot going on as a church, right? We're scrambling and trying to purchase this building so that we can stay here. We have a lot of new different outreach efforts that are going on that we're kind of stepping into. Um, We have a lot going on. And so this is just a really good chance to kind of step back And look at God's word and see what the Lord says to a church that is in a similar season. A church that is starting to figure things out and try to establish what is our purpose? What should we do? What should we focus on? What should we prioritize in order to be the kind of church that God wants us to be? And so that is what we're going to look at here this morning. So this is kind of one of those um, big purposeful sermons where God's people kind of reorients around what is the fundamental purpose for us as a church, as God's people. Why has he brought us all together? Why has he brought us here? And are we living into that as we should be? So to answer some of those questions and to kind of dig into that, we're just going to be looking at one verse. It's Romans 15, 7. It comes um, kind of towards the end of Romans where Paul has presented the gospel in a powerful way. And he's kind of presented throughout the whole book of Romans what the gospel is. It's the power of God for salvation. How it comes about through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. What the gospel does is it makes a family. It creates a group of people. And now, how should those people live? And so he summarizes it here in verse 7 with the statement, Therefore, so in light of everything, that he's been saying, in light of what the gospel is and how it's come to you and who it's made you to be. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Please pray with me. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for for your people, for your spirit, for your word. 
Lord, and I thank you for the grace of being able to be reminded of what is essential, what is fundamental to our purpose, and for the chance to spend some time with you this morning, Lord, and reflect on how we can live into that, how we can actually lean into what you have for us. So God, please help us, meet us here this morning, give us um, anticipation and great joy as we do that. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. It's fairly simple. This verse is really, really clear. Paul is telling the church of Rome to be the welcome of Christ. To be the welcome of Christ. So, okay, that's on one hand, it's really simple. On the other hand, it's massive. And it's like kind of disorienting because what does that mean? What does it mean to be the welcome of Christ? How has Christ welcomed us? And so we're going to actually borrow from a parable to kind of help us understand what it means to be welcomed by Christ. It's a parable you guys are familiar with. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Because it is a parable of what it looks like to be welcomed by Christ. And so we're going to kind of use that to help us understand what it means to be the welcome of Christ as we explore how Christ has welcomed us. And so I'm just going to be referencing it and summarizing it. We're not going to read the parable, but we have to kind of break this down into small chunks and into categories, or else it just kind of remains kind of ambiguous and abstract, and it won't actually come down to us. So the parable, if you guys remember, is of two sons, really. One is the younger son, one's the older son. The younger son gets tired of playing dad's game. And he's like, yeah, dad, you've been bossing me around for too long. I don't really see it paying off. This isn't the life that I want. And so why don't you just cut me my inheritance now so that I can go and live according to my plan? And so he does. The dad says, okay. And so he sends him with a bunch of money, a bunch of resources. And the younger son is kind of like the stereotypical story of what it looks like to turn away from structure and to follow your own desire. And it leads him to destruction. It leads him to despair. And then there's this pivotal point in the story where he kind of realizes as he's sleeping with pigs and eating pig food, it's like, this hasn't worked out how I wanted it to. And I think even if I go back to my dad's house and work as one of his servants, I still think that would be better. And so he does. He returns. And the, the part of the story that we're going to focus on is this beautiful picture of the gospel. And this is why Jesus is giving this parable. He's saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. He comes back and he's kind of rehearsing his apology to his father. And his father is out there looking for him, waiting, as he has been every day that the son has been gone. And as soon as he sees his son, he runs him. He embraces him. He puts on his cloak around his son, and then he brings him into the house and throws a party. So there's three things, three parts of that welcome that we're going to walk through and explore. The first is the embrace. Being the love and the welcome of Jesus means we have to figure out and familiarize ourselves with this embrace. There's an embrace. There's also a cleansing. 
So that's what the cloak symbolizes. When the dad sees his son, he's filthy, he's in rags. And so by putting on a new cloak, the dad is effectively covering his stench, covering his filth. And so there's a cleansing. And then finally, there's a celebration. And so we're going to look at embrace, cleansing, and celebration all as part of being the welcome of Christ. So the first part is this embrace. It's this beautiful picture of a father who has no regard for anything except for the fact that he wants to hug his son. And this is how Jesus treats us, all who come to him. He runs to, he longs for, and he embraces. There's warmth, there's connection, there's affection, joy. These are communicated through this embrace. And so for all of us who are trusting Jesus, we have received this from him. When we come to him, he wraps his arms around us. He welcomes us into his presence. And this is literally to all who come to him. To all who come to him. People that we would never embrace. People that we would never welcome, Jesus welcomes in this way. Anybody, regardless of what they've done, regardless of who they are, anyone who comes to Jesus receives his embrace. So, really quick, this is already kind of rubbing us the wrong way. Because I guarantee you, I know there are for me, I guarantee you that there are people who if you saw in this church, you might not throw them out, but you would make sure that you were on the other side of the room from them. It might be somebody who came in wearing a red hat with MAGA on it. It might be somebody that came in wearing a shirt with a sickle and a hammer on it. It might be someone who was from a different side of town that you aren't comfortable with. It might be somebody that you know has a shady past. It might be somebody who you know does work that is moral, morally reprehensible to you. Guess what? All of those people come to Jesus. Not without exception. So I'm not talking about like a universalism. It's not every single one, but it's Everyone in that type of category come to Jesus. This is what Paul did in Romans earlier when he kind of destroys the distinction between Jew and Gentile. It's like everybody, all types of people, he is calling. And they come to him and he embraces. And so we can't exclude people that Jesus includes. That's what it means to be the welcome of Jesus in this way, is we cannot exclude people that Jesus includes. We do not get to say who comes into the family of God. It's anyone who comes to Jesus. Another thing that we see in this picture of the father running out and hugging his prodigal son is that his attention is not divided. It's fully on his son in his presence. And so this is 
kind of getting into a little bit of something that I think is harder and harder for us. Is we have so much going on, so much that distracts us, that we very rarely give each other our full attention. We're distracted by our phones. We're distracted by thoughts, our plans. We're so busy that we can't slow down enough to just be with another person. I remember um, I went on a date before I was married, and on that date, the person I was on the date with kept checking her phone. I don't know if you've experienced that, but it communicates something very clearly. It's like, oh, you're not really important to me. I've got other stuff that I would rather think about. And I know that we do this, right? Like, it's just kind of habit, maybe, We're not thinking about it, but what it does is it communicates to someone who Jesus has embraced and has communicated love and care and affection for, yeah, I got something else better that's more important that I would rather think about. And so being the welcome of Jesus means just giving that person who's in front of you your full attention, letting go for a minute of your plans, your busyness, and just being with that person, giving them your all. There's also an anticipation that we see in this. So the the father in the story, in the parable, is every day he's looking out, expecting his son to come back, or hoping, if he's not expecting it. And so for us, we have to have that same kind of anticipation. Just as Jesus has had that for us, he's anticipating our coming. We have to have that for each other. We have to plan on seeing people. Maybe they're new people, people who we haven't seen before. Maybe they're people that we haven't seen in a long time. Having that anticipation so that when you see them, you light up like the Father does. You go up to them and you just exude joy and happiness, and warmth. And so this is, this is what it means to be the welcome of Jesus. Now, here's what it feels like. This is, and what it means. Because in our, um, in our own experience of the welcome of Jesus, we will come up with kind of like arguments, subtly, that will kind of try to keep his welcome at a distance, and it will interrupt how we welcome other people when we do that. So I want to read you this quote that's from John Bunyan, and it's talking about what happens when people come to Jesus. And he kind of imagines this dialogue between Jesus and us. It says this, But I am a great sinner, say you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I am an old sinner, say you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I am a hard-hearted sinner, say you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I am a backsliding sinner, say you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I have served Satan all my days, say you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I have sinned against light, says you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I have sinned against mercy, says you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I have no good thing 
to bring with me, says you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. This is what the embrace of Christ's welcome feels like. That's what we experience. That's what we are now invited to get in on, and all of us can get in on it. We can all interact and treat and love people in a way that communicates that, that communicates Jesus' all-encompassing welcome. If you're a kid, you think, how, do, how can I do that? It might be something as simple as slowing down and hugging a sibling who's having a bad day or a friend. Maybe instead of you getting to play with your favorite toy, you let them play with it. That's communicating a welcome and a love for them. Maybe it is going across a major difference culturally. Going and talking to somebody who you know is going to make you feel uncomfortable, maybe for political reasons, maybe for ethnic reasons, and just being uncomfortable because you care about them and you want to welcome them into God's family. That's what it means to be the welcome of Christ with that embrace. But it doesn't just embrace his son. Because if he just embraced his son, there would be parts of the story that would kind of remain unacknowledged and would lead to problems. So the reality of this story is that his son smells like pig excrement. He's been sleeping in dung piles. He's been eating mush. He's filthy. He's filthy. And so Jesus is telling us that his welcome, when he welcomes somebody who comes to him, it comes with a cleansing. It comes with a cleansing. The father placing his cloak on his filthy son, it symbolizes that. It shows us that Jesus does not pretend after he's embraced us that we're not filthy. He doesn't just ignore that part of us. And we don't want that. We don't want somebody to ignore those, those filthy parts of us, those parts of us that stink, because we'll always have in our minds kind of a suspicion, like, if they really knew that about me, then they wouldn't have hugged me. They wouldn't have embraced me. And they would send me out. This cleansing, it's actually worked out in practice, is actually a lifelong transformation that takes place gradually, but it takes place truly. It really happens in our flesh and blood. And so all of us who come to Jesus and are welcomed by him, we have our own filth that we bring into this relationship. And Jesus deals with that very graciously, very tenderly. He starts to remove it. It takes a lifetime. It's never complete in our lives. But it's happening. It's not ignored, so our sin doesn't get swept under the rug or ignored, but it's patiently separated from the sinner, making a new person, showing a new person. This is what it means that the Father has placed his cloak on his filthy son. And it's what we are invited to participate in by being the welcome of Jesus. How do we do this? We do this in relationship. We do this by speaking truth in love. We do this by understanding that every single person who comes into God's family 
is a sinner, and they sin in different ways. There are some people who are ripped out, and they might be the first in their family line of becoming a Christian. And they're so disoriented, and they have so much of the kingdom of darkness clinging to them that it can be hard and disorienting for people who may have grown up in the church to recognize them as a Christian at all, as somebody who has received that embrace. And so we need to understand that there's going to be different degrees of people. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, referenced them as the strong and the weak. He says there are going to be some who are strong and can um, do a full range of things, exercise a lot of freedom because they have understood the ways of God, and then there's going to be the weak, those who need to be brought along, those who need to have careful attention paid to them because they're learning and orienting themselves to a completely new and fresh family, and it's a new way of doing things. And so being the welcome of Jesus is welcoming people into that new way of doing things. And so we have all these kinds of people in our church. We have people who were raised in the church for generations and generations and generations. And if that's you, you're operating on this rich trove of grace that has been passed down to you from your family. And that's such a beautiful, wonderful thing. And we also have people who come from a long line of rebellious sinners who hate God for generations. And they have inherited a generation's worth and generations and generations worth of practices of rebellion that now, all of a sudden, they don't just magically go away. Just because they've been embraced by Jesus, they are still in that same body with those same habits. And so as a church, how do we welcome them? Do we just kind of like ignore them? Do we just let them continue to live in a life that is destroying them? Do we make them feel little? Do we make them feel like they're less than us because they don't know all of the ways to live as a Christian yet? Or do we enter into their filth? Do we enter into their sin and help them because every one of us has needed that. That's the whole point. There is not a single clean person who has come to Jesus and received him. We have all needed that. And so that's what it means to be the welcome of Jesus. I'll give you this illustration, and then we'll move on to celebrating. I was hiking. You get a lot of hiking illustrations from me. Um, and it was a long backpacking trip. And it was after the first eight days of the trip. I had been in the woods eight days with a friend. We had been hiking basically sun up till sundown. It was dry, hot. We were sweaty, dirty. We were not bathing during this part of the trip. We were filthy. And we hiked into a mountain town. And it was apparent that we, had, we were pretty rough. You could smell us. You could see, oh, he's... Two young gentlemen have been in the woods for a while. And so if there was nothing to clean us and refresh us, it would have been painful. It would have not been enjoyable to be in that town. 
we would have just kind of been exiled. But I still have really good memories of this because we were able to get like a little hotel room for like a day and shower. We went to a laundromat and got our clothes cleaned. We felt like new people. And then we went and we had a burger and it was the first non-dehydrated food that I had in a long time. But this is what it feels like when you come into a community that actually cares about your cleansing. It feels like that. It feels like you're being made new. It doesn't feel like you're a project. It doesn't feel like you're a problem. It feels like you're being made new. You're having life injected into you. And then finally, being the welcome of Jesus is understanding that Jesus welcomes us with celebration. I will be honest with you, this is the hardest one for me. Here's why. Here's why that Jesus welcoming me with celebration is hardest for me. I think back to when I was in college, and I went to a Christian college, and I was not a Christian at this time, um, but I had an English lit professor, Miss Clyde, Mary Clyde, I can still remember her, and she was not a Christian either. I really liked her, and she was um, talking to like us as a class and like asking us questions, and there was one girl, I don't know her, I didn't know her name then, I still don't, but she, um, she was talking to our professor and she was saying, yeah, I don't really know what my major is going to be yet, so I've been praying about it, and I'm, I'm waiting kind of to get guidance from Jesus on what I should do, and our professor scoffed at her. She was like, so wait a minute, you're praying to God, or who you think is God, and you think he cares about what your major is? Don't you think he has better things to be doing? And I was kind of like sitting there like, yeah, I think she's right. Like, that sounds ridiculous. Sounds ridiculous for the creator of the universe to care about something as simple as your major. But now I'm confronted with this scene in the story where you see the father welcome with an embrace, cleanse with his cloak, and now he throws a party. He throws a dinner party. He celebrates his son's return. So being welcomed by Christ means that Jesus celebrates you. He celebrates you. He doesn't just clean you give you a hug, and then let you stand off in a corner somewhere trying to figure out if you belong now or what you should do, what's your place in kind of like the new order of the household. No, he puts you next to him at the table, and he spares no expense. He brings out all of the best food, and he has the entire house celebrate you, celebrate your presence So how do we do that? And I, we do this as a church. I love that. I love this about our church. You guys teach me how to do this better, actually. But here's where I want us to kind of push into now, is I think we celebrate kind of like good accomplishments. We celebrate life events. We celebrate marriages, weddings. We, we celebrate promotions. But something I think that we don't really know what to do with is celebrating spiritual growth. Like when you see a friend or somebody at this church who has made progress, who has 
understood something in a new and fresh way and experienced the grace of God in their lives in a fresh way, I think we get skeptical. I know I do. Like, oh, I don't know if that's going to last. Let's see how it turns out. We should be throwing a party. We should be encouraging that. We should be wanting that, loving that, celebrating it. That's what Jesus does. That's what he does for us and with us. So that's what it means to be the welcome of Jesus. So this is our commission. Jesus commissions us. He actually gives his spirit to his people. And this verse, when you read it into this parable, it means that Jesus is transforming us as a community into the Father. The Father of the parable, not God the Father. He's transforming us into this Father. We have been the prodigal. We have been the older son who wants nothing to do with it. And God's spirit is making us into the father. He's making his church, his people, his welcome. So getting back to our trajectory, what are the stakes? If we don't do this, if we just think, oh, it's, that's nice, this is optional, that sounds like a pretty good thing to do when I feel like it, or if I get around to it, if I have time to do it, and really, it's probably okay if we just receive Jesus' welcome and then don't extend that and don't live out that welcome to each other. What are the stakes? So if we get on a trajectory of neglecting this, even subtly, only welcoming some people, being just even the slightest bit cold towards somebody who's new or somebody that we're not sure about, Welcoming without warmth and celebration, not trusting the grace and the power of transformation in Jesus' welcome. Here's what's going to happen. The glory of God will depart from this church. The glory of God will fade. It will fade away. We'll just be a group of people coming because that's what we do. No experience of God's power, no experience of his grace. The light of God will fade, and in the end, we will fade with it. But if we pursue a trajectory of being the welcome of Christ, we're going to experience the glory of God in this church. We are going to be a place of warmth in a cold hard world. We are going to be light in darkness for each other, for the city, for this neighborhood. We're going to experience warmth and fruit of God's presence. We're going to see transformation. We're going to see a generation grow up knowing what it looks like for people to have experienced God's welcome. In other words, we will see the Spirit of God working through the people of God for the glory of God. And that's what it means to be the welcome of Jesus. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for um, 
for your patience and your grace to us as a church. God, I thank you that you have put your spirit here, that we get to um, see you at work, that you have made us alive to you, and that we get to experience your glory. Lord, help us long for that more and more. Don't let us settle for anything else. Don't let us settle for just having our needs met or to have our preferential programs taking place. God, help us join you in this work. Help us to be your welcome to each other. God, I pray that you would make specific people come to our minds this morning, that you would make specific ways of how we need to welcome people, and that we would do that, that we would step out in faith and in expectation that we are going to experience your glory, that we are going to see how welcoming people as you have welcomed us is for your glory. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.